Welcome to Indie Cider, where we go beyond the game and meet the developers behind today's indie hits. Hey, it's Ken Gagney. Before we get to this week's episode of Indie Cider, let me give you a heads up. Anybody who's living in New England should totally check out the Boston Festival of Indie Games. The third annual Boston Fig is occurring Saturday, September 13th at MIT in Cambridge, Massachusetts. This will make my third year in attendance, and it's always a fun and fantastic time to meet hundreds of local game developers showing off games that have come out in the past year or are still in development. Of course, I'll be there, scouting for candidates for future episodes of IndieCider, as well as interviewing the keynote speakers, Ashley Birch and Sarah Elmola, two talented voice actors in the video game industry. You can find more information at bostonfig.com. Also, if you like indie game developer interviews, naturally you're in the right place, but if you want more interviews, check out the Indie Investigations podcast, just launched last month by James Bartholomew. You can find that at initiativecheck.com, and there will be a link in the show notes of this episode. So let's roll into our next game. This week I'm playing Max Gentleman by The Men Who Wear Many Hats. This is the same company that developed Organ Trail, that's O-R-G-A-N, a zombie take on the Apple II classic edutainment title Oregon Trail. In the interest of full disclosure, I am a Kickstarter backer of both Organ Trail and Max Gentleman. However, I have no financial or personal stake in the success of either game. I did purchase my own copy of Organ Trail, and since Max Gentleman is a free download, it was not provided to me for review purposes. Max Gentleman is currently available for Linux, Mac, and PC via Steam, and also iOS and Android. It is an action comedy game set in Victorian era with gentlemen with handlebar mustaches and top hats who rip their shirts off to reveal a plethora of pectoral muscles. And generally, it is set into two different kinds of stages. In the first stage, it's sort of an automatic side-scroller. It shows a side view of your character driving a horse-drawn buggy, and as you go through the countryside, various obstacles appear. You control neither the horse, nor the buggy, nor the gentleman, but rather the gentleman's hat. Yes, that's right, hat. This game is all about hats. These men wear many hats. Literally. Your job is to leap the hat off the character's head and collect other hats as they scroll by. With each hat you collect, your tower of hats grows until it is a towering tower that is making it much more difficult to avoid obstacles like darts or birds. You can move your control up and down the tower so that you select a specific hat, and at that point, that is where the tower leaps. So that is how you create small gaps in the hat to make a bird fly through without actually colliding with your tower. Sounds strange? It is, and that's one of the things I love about it. The other mode is also a side-scroller, but in this case, you do get to move left and right. In this case... Your character is standing at a bar, and you're looking at it from the bartender's perspective. There is a huge brawl going on behind your character, but you are unconcerned with that. You are simply moving to the left and to the right. Every time the bartender serves a beer onto the bar, you collect it by moving left or right, and thus your hat tower grows. Again, due to the kerfuffle in the background, there are obstacles that will fly through the air, and you need to move up and down your tower of hats and jump at the right point to make those obstacles pass through. This game supports local multiplayer, both at the keyboard and over local Wi-Fi, and it also supports both keyboard and joystick, although I was using an adapter to connect my Xbox 360 wireless controller to my MacBook Pro, and the game did not seem to recognize that input device. I also downloaded the game to iOS and tried it there on my iPod Touch, 
but perhaps due to the small screen or the input method, I found it a little bit cumbersome to play. That is something that I'll be discussing with Ryan. He did say that the Mac version does support joysticks, so I'm assuming it is just my particular model of controller or interface that was not compatible. It's a shame because the first time I played this game was actually as a coin-op, an arcade cabinet that was brought to PAX East 2014. And I did really well. In fact, I think I got the high score for that hour. Regardless, you can find this game at hatsproductions.com, and a link will, of course, be in the show notes. If you'd like to see this game being played, you can watch my video with the interview with the developer, Ryan Wiemeyer, at indiesider.net. That's I-N-D-I-E-S-I-D-E-R.net. But if you just want to hear the interview, well, here it is. It was recorded on Tuesday, August 26th, a few days before Ryan left Chicago to go to PAX Prime in Seattle. Today I'm speaking with Ryan Wiemeyer of The Men Who Wear Many Hats, developers of Mac's Gentlemen. Hi, Ryan. Hello. This game came out August 21st for Mac, PC, and Linux on Steam and iOS and Android. And how's it been doing for you so far? Um, it's been not doing great. Uh, we have a lot of units out there, but I think we're having the um, space team effect where uh, people don't really seem to buy content very much. Now, this is your first time going with in-app purchases, is that right? Yeah, we wanted to try... Well, the game had a lot of different things you we were trying, uh, and a lot of them ended up getting cut. But one of the things we wanted to do, basically, was just make a, a game where we would charge for multiplayer, because we were testing cross-platform multiplayer, which is for a bigger other game we were going to make. And we ended up cutting that because it didn't make sense, because the single player in the game in Max Gentleman wasn't nearly as robust as our original game that we were like moving this concept over from. Um, and so ultimately, we ended up with this free experience that only made sense for you because it's multiplayer and, you know, you don't think your friends are going to spend $3 to play, you know, like a two-minute multiplayer experience. So uh, we ended up thinking, like, all right, well, how can we make this free but then start, still try to get money? And, you know, we had looked at Space Team and we know what happened there where it's, like, super popular, very critically acclaimed, but it made, like, no money. It made, like, $10,000, I think, which is actually... If we can make 10000 I'll be happy. And so we thought, okay, well, we can improve on that by making our stuff a little more interesting uh, by having, like, cooler characters and, you know, fun art, the, the stuff that people really liked about the game. And it's not really translating over very well so far. Well, at the time of this recording, the game has been out for less than a week, so I'm sure it's going to be at PAX Prime. A lot of people are going to see it there, right? Sure, yeah. But, I mean, let's say at PAX... You hit about a thousand people uh, if you're lucky. We're only doing a mini booth this time because we have an, we have a big arcade cabinet that we took to PAX East that did really well. We had a line out of our booth the entire time, and we had prizes and you know a giant TV displaying the cabinet. And it was really cool. But this time it's the mini booth because it's we don't have the time or the money or the resources to get the cabinet out there, and it's just me going this time. So I'm sure there won't be nearly as much fanfare as what I'm used to because we normally have like a full booth at PAX. I imagine that transporting a full arcade cabinet from Chicago to Boston or Seattle must be a real pain in the butt. Yeah, yeah. Uh, last time we did it, and not only that, it's an arcade cabinet that I built, so it's like literally made out of super glue and like hot glue, and so it falls apart every time we move it. Um, the last time we moved it, luckily uh, the guys from Iron Galaxy, they do dive kick and a bunch of other stuff. Um, we're friends with them. In fact, my brother works there. Yeah, they, they just had a truck and they offered to load up our cabinet because they had extra room so that was really sweet of them but they didn't have a booth this time so I couldn't uh, call in any more favors with them and 
it, it would have just cost so much. I mean, it's already costing me like $2,000 just to go to PAX this time for a game that's not making much money. If I get every single person that stops by our booth to buy all the DLC, maybe <laughs> I'll get back the cost of going. Well, sometimes it's also about establishing reputation and cred, and this may you know, work into the next game that you said you're developing. Yeah, well, so one of the other things about this game, the reason we wanted to do it free is originally it was only going to take a few months, um, but we're stupid, so that didn't happen. And uh, one of the things I wanted to do was just kind of get it out there to like bolster our reputation. Like, hey, free game, Flambeer's Super Crate Box, right? Like, they gave it away for free on Steam just because they're like, hey, check it out. It's cool, and we make good games. Um, and so luckily, even though it's not... I mean, my other problem is I'm comparing this game to Oregon Trail, which made us a ton of money really fast. Um, so we'll see how it goes. But Well, let's continue talking about finances. This game was funded on Kickstarter, and I was a backer. And you say in the Kickstarter description that the game is going to take thirty dollars to $40,000 to make, but you only asked for five hundred. What were you even hoping to accomplish with such a little amount? We probably only made... I haven't actually... I think we... We designed the Kickstarter to make zero dollars. Uh, it was an advertising campaign, right? Like, if you look at it, half of it's a joke. The thing is, because it's a Kickstarter, we actually have to deliver on a lot of that joke. So, you know, when people buy body pillows, we actually had to make body pillows. Um, and so that was super fun. Yeah, I mean, we didn't think it was fair to ask for money, considering Oregon Trail had done so well. So we thought, all right, well, let's make this really low, make a bunch of stupid jokes, and that will probably garner attention, and it did. And everyone's like, well, what were you thinking? Well, that's so weird. Yeah, and it's, we didn't, I guess we just didn't need that money. And we, we, the thing is, we made very little because all of our shirts and body pillows and all the rewards, that was like, whatever you back, that's like the cost of that item, right? We weren't trying to, normally, it's like, if you're going to sell a shirt and it costs you $10 to make, you charge the user $20. Well, we just charge 10 uh, and so that, that was another thing is we wanted to see what would happen if you have like a bare bones Kickstarter where items are way cheaper than they are in other Kickstarters. And, you know, it worked relatively. Now, this game, Max Gentleman, is nothing at all in any way that I can see like Oregon Trail. Yeah. I mean, we also wanted to make an original game because we still felt a little dirty about making a parody game and that being so successful because we have a lot of our own original ideas and... You know, I, I spend a lot of time, you know, staring at the indie community and seeing all these great artistic original creations. And I, you know, look at Oregon Trail and I like, I'm, I'm super proud of that game. It's a very good game and it is definitely our own. But I always felt like, just like internally, people were like, oh yeah, but that's just a rip off, you know? So we wanted to make something of our own that was good. Um, and that's, luckily we did with Max Gentleman. Like, it is good. People do enjoy it. Um, it's a very simple game, but I, you know, it, you can play it for a long time if you want to, which is nice. L let me briefly tell you my own story with Oregon Trail. Having played the free version and having grown up with the Apple II on Oregon Trail, I backed the Kickstarter, got the game, and I loaded it onto my iPad with the ebook World War Z. And those were the only two things I took on a very long flight from Boston to Lima, Peru. <laughs> and every time I tried reading World War Z, I was just bored to tears. Of the two zombie media I had, Oregon Trail was by far the superior one, and I spent the entire flight just playing that game over and over. <laughs> wow, that's cool. Yeah, I had so much fun with it, but I'm curious, how did that game 
inform or educate your experience making Max Gentleman. For a studio, for example, such as Zeboid Games, which made Breath of Death 7 and then Call of Cthulhu and then yeah. the Penny Arcade games, you can see an evolution in their RPG systems. But I don't see any Oregon Trail in here, so how did making Oregon Trail first make Max Gentleman better? Uh, it probably made it worse. Um, <laughs> oh, no. Because we made a lot of... Like, all the things that burned us on Oregon Trail, we tried to address all at once in Max Gentleman, and that was a bad idea. That So, like, for instance, uh, people had complaints about controls in Oregon Trail, and even though I still protest they're really good, uh, I think we made a mistake of not teaching them very well, because people just didn't understand, I guess. They kept saying, oh, it's unresponsive, and it's like, no, it's perfectly responsive. It's usually, you probably just don't understand what you're doing. Um, so, in Max Gentleman, we spent a lot of time throughout development, trying to implement tutorial systems over and over and over again. And that took forever. Because it's also kind of an abstract game. Like, collect a hat, get a beer. Like, what? Or, collect a beer, get a hat. Yeah, and drink and dodge beers, but also collect them. And so we had we had some complications there. And eventually, I kind of boiled it down to, like, a very light version. I decided I would let people discover it on their own. Um, but on top of that, we kept trying to figure out control schemes, like, the one we launched with on mobile, because this is originally an arcade game. So trying to put it on mobile is hard. Uh, so the version we launched with on mobile was, it's completely unintuitive to anyone who doesn't hasn't played it, but if you get good at it, you get really good at it. Um, and that's why I, I made it the default one. But I wanted to give people options. So there's like five different control schemes you can pick from the options in case people really hated it. Uh, and that was, again, to try and combat people complaining about controls. But then that meant that we also had to have um, you know, tutorial screens for each of the different kinds. And then on top of that, it's cross-platform. So I can be playing with someone on PC, and so the tutorial screens need to make sense across all platforms. So we have like eight or nine different control schemes that all need different tutorials and different control schemes and testing and all this stuff. And it's, you know, we launched on all the platforms at the same time, which was also, I thought would be a good idea. And in retrospect, it might have been a better idea to kind of do one at a time so you can slowly support them in, as you go forward. Um, and so, yeah, it was like, kind of reactionary to some of the negative stuff that happened uh, that we tried to take all at once, and I think it was a bad idea. I think my next game is going to possibly be Legs of Void. Like, we've been thinking, um, you know, what something that maybe looks like Oregon Trail again, something that's single-player, maybe launching on one platform first, and then slowly, you know, hitting each next platform as as we see how the game does, instead of putting all of our eggs in every basket and launching it all at the same time. Because then, you know, you have the bigger potential of losing all those eggs. <laughs> Are you finding that one of the five platforms is outperforming the others? Well, I consider it three platforms because it's like Steam, iOS, and Android. Okay. Frustratingly so, I can't really see... On Android, we can't see the number of uh, in-app purchases properly. And on Steam, we can't see the number of base game purchases properly. They have a bug right now that we're waiting for them to fix. But just based purely on sales, like uh, profit, it looks like Steam is like five times better than iOS or Android, uh, which is actually surprising to me. I figured mobile was more primed to buying IAP, although I like to call ours DLC because I hate the notion of IAP. You mentioned this first being an arcade game, and that's how I first played it at PAX East. Mm -hmm. When I got the Mac version through Steam, I was hoping to be able to hook up a joystick or controller, but it seemed to be keyboard only. Is that correct? No, there's keyboard or joystick. Um, we do have some joystick controller issues that we are fixing right now, but 
mostly on Linux. What kind of controller did you use? I was using an Xbox 360 controller. Huh, yeah, it works on our end. That's the other problem. I don't know if this is Unity or what, but like we, we have Linux, we have Mac, we have PC, we test on all three, and then we put the game out there and people have problems with controllers on those. And it's like, what do we do? Like, we don't know how to fix it, right? Because it's like we've already tested it and it works on our end. So then we just have to like involve those people and send them debug builds and get logs from them. And it's that's all very stressful and time-consuming, and I don't know if it's worth our time considering the game isn't making very much money, so there might be a point at which we have to call it and move on to another game. Because, I mean, especially where I guarantee you most of these people asking for support haven't even paid for anything. You know, it's the free version. Right. Uh, but at the same time, obviously, we, we want to foster a good community. We want our fans to like us, so it's, you know, it, I don't know where we draw that line because, you know, after like a year of supporting Oregon Trail, we had to step back and, and just like abandon the Steam forums and just say, hey guys, you know, we're moving on to something else. We'll check on this, you know, like in a year. <laughs> and that, that always sucks too. And when you decided to move on from Oregon Trail to Max Gentleman, I understand that this game was inspired by a piece of spam? Yes. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Sure. So this actually the game idea for Max Gentleman came, I think, even before Oregon Trail. We were in our brainstorming period before the Hats were even a company. One of the members who was no longer part of the Hats uh, got an email that just said Max Gentleman. And we just assumed it was a penis pill email. Um, you know, male enhancement. We were like, what? Like, we just laughed at the broken English of that. Like, what the heck is a Max Gentleman? And so then we just started brainstorming. Like, what is a Max Gentleman? Oh, it's like if you take a wrestler, like a professional wrestler... A Victorian gentleman, and you put them together. Like, what is that? You know, they're like covered in tattoos that are like very polite that say like manners and <laughs> stuff like that. And uh, we came up with like so many different like stories and little ideas like that, but not many of them really translated to game mechanics. Um, and so we had basically come up with an idea for an animation, you know, and we had no artists. So we're like, okay, well, we're going to have to shelf this. But then we later drudged it back up later for uh, a game jam to put a game in an arcade cabinet, and that's how. Max Gentleman came about as it is now. One of the things I love most about the hats, after your games, of course, is your sense of humor, especially as it comes across in your videos, your trailers, your Kickstarters. Do you have some experience with stand-up comedy or community theater? Where does this come from? No. I, nowhere? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It, I think, so the first time we did our very first Kickstarter video, we always just kind of wing it. So I was like, well, Mike, my partner didn't want to talk in the first Kickstarter video for Oregon Trail. And so I was like, all right, well, let's just do like a pen and Teller thing. So he held up little cue cards while I talked, and people thought that was cute and funny. And so then we also did like an, we later did an outtakes reel where we put all of our, all of our stupid stuff that we picked up because it took us like four hours to record a five-minute video. Uh, and then, you know, just the next time when we did Max Gentleman, I'm like, well, let's, let's be goofy about it because when I go to conventions, I put on a little bit, per, bit of a persona. I wear a top hat. I pitched the game like a snake oil salesman, and uh, people seemed to respond to that. So I was like, all right, well, let, let's take that to the next level. And we did our Kickstarter video, and we did it like that. And people really liked it. So I was like, all right, well, we obviously have to do this for our trailer, too. And so it's really just responding to what people like. We actually filmed the trailer twice, and the first time was not funny and awkward and terrible. So it's also about being able to understand when you suck. <laughs> <laughs> 
and try again. Well, it certainly leaves an impression. It makes you a much more personable company. There are a lot of indie developers out there that you know them from their games and the people behind them are sort of invisible, but you guys, I mean, you're, you're the hats, Yeah. you know, and you know, that's something that you're known for, which I think is pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, I'd like to keep that up. Um, cause I do think if you can make fans who know who the developer is, that's much more useful in the long run. Like we, I feel like pretty much everybody who bought any content in Max Gentleman are like our Oregon trail fans that follow us. Because they've said, like, people at conventions, whenever they see us, they're like, I love you guys. Whatever you put out, I'll spend all my money on it. You know? They're like, I don't even care what it is. Because you did such a good job in Oregon Trail or whatever. And I, those are the kind of fans that I'd want to foster, obviously. Mm-hmm. You know? Because I was really scared making a, a game that was completely different from Oregon Trail. But I want the thread between our games to be that they have a certain level of quality and that they always have, maybe not necessarily humor, but, you know, you you can tell it was made by us it's personal to some degree oh absolutely can you give us any sort of a sneak peek about what you're working on next yeah the next thing is not very exciting uh unless you're a fan of oregon trail in which case it's very exciting the current plan is to make another expansion for oregon trail and we're going to be porting it to systems that i don't know that i'm allowed to say but pretty much all of them all the big ones and um so that way when we relaunch on the new systems we have new content so You'll want to check it out, and then we should be putting those expansions back into the old versions as well sometime after launch. And then after that, I'm not sure. The financial success of Max Gentleman, or lack therefore of, has made me reconsider our next game. Right now, just a hint, I change my, I, I change my mind literally every week for the last year, but the idea that I'm dwelling on right now is kind of a wizard version of Oregon Trail, almost. It's not a very good hint, but it's it gives you a good enough idea. So it's not going to be the three million dollar Victorian MMO. No, I, w- I mean we didn't get enough money on Kickstarter, you know. You so close though, so close. Yeah, if we had got that money, I would have gone straight to uh, who is it, Volition, that makes Saints Row, and been like, "Hey guys, I'll give you three million dollars to make a mod for your own game," <laughs> <laughs> and then you know tried that out, which would have been hilarious, and probably they would have said no, but whatever. <laughs> Well, excellent. I, I'm sorry to hear Max Gentleman isn't doing everything that you hoped it would in the first week, but I hope that it you know does well at PAX Prime yeah. and continues to gain traffic and that the next Oregon Trail, I'm definitely looking forward to that because as I obviously have stated, I'm a big fan. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but thank you so much for this inside peek behind Max Gentleman. Yeah, and uh, hopefully Max Gentleman, I think it will have a decent long tail because... Like I said, the one thing I am glad about is it is a good game. People do enjoy it, so those usually make money for a longer time. Ask me again in a year how I feel. I'll do just that. Thank you, sir. Cheers. This has been Indie Cider, a GameBits production. Find more episodes, read our blog, or send feedback at IndieCider.net. Indie